1: You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
0: He is a former Denver Bronco himself. Former NFL safety. Former NFL assistant coach. Now... With the Nick Ferguson Show. Nick Ferguson joins us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Nick, welcome to the show, bud.
2: Well, thanks for having me, Nick.
0: Well, listen, when Keith said he's a former NFL player, I was sold. But when he said his name is also (laughs) Nick, I was really sold. I was like, he's a former NFL player and his name is Nick. Let's book him right now.
2: Well, that's talking about the best of uh, both worlds. So uh, when I was sold, I was coming on with another Nick. I said myself, let's Get it
0: done. Look at that. This is the way we start. I, I started an interview with a guy yesterday, and I tried to have fun yeah. with him, and it, it went over like it was a lead Tom, balloon. Tom, who
2: it was? It was Mike Tannenbaum. <laughs> oh, oh! I, I am well fond of uh, Mike Tannenbaum, who once upon a time cut me from uh, the New York Jets. Yes. Mm. So I know Mike Tannenbaum all too well.
0: That's all right. He cut me off at the knees trying to have fun yesterday. Uh, Let's start with the Nuggets because I feel like the Nuggets are who the Cavs could be in a couple years. This team that every year we ask, is this the year? Is this the year that they break through, go to an NBA Finals, and really compete for an NBA title? How do you feel about this team's chance to really transcend, take that next level, and maybe win a title with a dad bod god?
2: Well, I, I tell you what, you know, both teams are really talented. When I look at the team and how it's been assembled there in Cleveland, uh, they have some nice pieces. I know you guys moved on from Kevin Love, sending him down to uh, Miami, but there is Garland, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. These are very talented guys. But the problem that they face when they run up against the Nuggets is that guy in the middle by the name of Nikola Jokic. I mean, right now when you look at uh how he is – assisting and getting other people involved, third in the NBA and assist. And that offense, Mike Malone's offense, flows through Nicole Jokic. And this is a guy who can see the entire court. I mean, he has a perimeter game. He can shoot the mid-range game. And then if you want to go play on a low block, I mean, he can take you to school. So it's going to be a tall task uh, for the Cavs tonight. But here's the one thing that's in the Cavs' favor. When you look at the Nuggets and how they performed on the road, they are 14 and fourteen. That's something Coach Malone has preached about changing the environment with his team. But this is where the Cavs may have home field advantage.
0: So let's get to the real important question. Who's better, Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid?
2: Well, it all depends on what your taste is. And both guys are really exceptional. But I like Joel Embiid. I take a lot of heat here in Denver, but here's why I like Joel Embiid, because I like a guy who can play both ends of the floor. And when we look at the two MVPs that Nikola Jokic has won, it has been because there was no Jamal Murray, so all the votes kind of went his way. Then also, when you look at Joel Embiid, a great guy, he has the same game as though Nikola Jokic has, but the only thing is health is always an issue with Joel Embiid, and that's kind of keeping him out of the MVP conversation. But you're talking about everything being equal, both guys being healthy. Give me Joel Embiid.
0: Well, I was totally setting you up there for a complete panda answer, and then you said the thing that I actually think, because I, I, think, I think Joel Embiid is to the point where it's disrespected. Not saying that Nikola doesn't deserve every bit of credit and every bit of the love that he gets. I just think Joel Embiid deserves the same.
2: Well, I'm right there with you. Uh, Once again, I fight that battle so much by myself here in Denver, and it's not not, no shade towards Nikola Jokic, but just looking at what Joel and and Embiid has done in the NBA. And when we look at today's NBA, we don't see a lot of you know centers as though we've seen in the past, right? These are centers that can shoot the three-point shot, and they kind of change the game. And Joel, just like you said. He has been disrespected. There have been years where he should have been in that conversation, but is Nikola Jokic. But here in Denver, the whole idea is Nikola Jokic is going for his third MVP, but I still think you need to talk about Giannis being in that conversation as well.
0: Nick, I do want to get to some Broncos talk here. And more specifically, you've got such a cool uh, perspective on everything because you've played, you've coached, who you've played and coached with I think also is going to add a lot to the conversation, but I, I I can't I can't get away from this conversation without asking you about Nuggets head coaches uh, uh, Mike Malone in his comments saying that this All Star game was the worst game of basketball he's ever seen. Did you agree with coach? And and what was the reaction in Denver to him openly and, and quite honestly, fairly uh, just trashing the NBA All Star game despite being the team LeBron coach?
2: Well, you do have people on both sides, people who are for it and people who are against it. Uh, for me, I love the comments that Coach Malone made because for me, I, I like someone who's going to be real, he's going to be upfront, going to be transparent about what they believe. And he's absolutely right. We watch that game every single year, hoping to see something different. It's almost like when we watch the NFL Pro Bowl, we want something different. We want to be entertained. Listen, I get the high flying dunks, I get the three point shots. But I, I'm, I'm kind of old school in his mentality because Kobe Bryant once said, when you play in the All-Star game, you have to play defense. And he was picking the pockets of guys, blocking shots. That's what I want to see, right? I want to see those types of games in the NBA for the, for the NBA All-Star. You still can entertain, you know, the fans and the people at home by playing great defense. And Coach Malone is right, man. It, 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 it just kind of got out of hand because no one was playing defense. Everyone was getting out of the way, and I know we could consider it to be a mid-season classic, and everyone was trying to play for that playoff push, but come on, man, entertain us a little more because we we pay top dollar to see you guys play. Get out there and play. Play some freaking defense.
0: Nick Ferguson, former Denver Bronco, former NFL safety, former NFL coach, now in the media with the Nick Ferguson Show on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So I know there's a few different ways we can go with this. I, I know you're in Denver, but you know not only did you play there, you played for Mike Shanahan. You, you got to see Kyle Shanahan up close as a young assistant, and then as a head coach when you were an assistant coach in 2018. So there's been so much talk about Kyle and about his ability, about his you know his head coaching ability. I just is the hype with Kyle justified to the level that it's been that he's kind of the the wonder boy of the NFL.
2: Yeah, it's, it's all justified. Just look at what uh, the team had to go through this year as far as the quarterback position. How many, how many coaches that could have gone or were down to their fourth-team quarterback would have even been in the playoffs? I mean, you look at Sean McVay, who has been given the title of boy Genius. Once Matthew Stafford was down, what happened to that team? So you, you, got, you have to give not only Kyle – but you have to give my former teammate and GM of John Lynch some credit because when you start suffering those types of injuries, you have to go and put a makeshift offense and defense together and try to get out there and win games. So I had the ability to sit in a room with Kyle. I mean, I've sat down with his father, Mike. Those two guys eat, breathe, and sleep nothing but football 24-7. So smart individuals, but if you gave Brock Park or helped you Brock Purdy in that game against the Eagles, then the outcome would have been a lot different. But think about that. Brock Purdy and all his fame that he has sustained thus far, yes. I mean, did he go in and he orchestrated the offense as Kyle has dictated? Yes, he did. But Kyle helped him along by finding nuances in the scheme to establish Christian McCaffrey in the run game and get those other weapons involved.
0: All right, so now I'm going to ask you the even tougher question here because on that 2018 staff that you were a part of, three future head coaches and to this point because I'm sure that Kyle seems to, to to get a couple new head coaches every year now. But you had D'Amico Ryans, Robert Sala, and Mike McDaniel all on that staff. Who's going to yeah. be the best head coach of those three guys?
2: Wow, the best head coach of those guys. I would love to say D'Amico because they down in Houston, they have a lot of draft capital. They have a lot of young players, and they have a couple first-round picks uh, in this upcoming draft. But the way I look at first-round draft choices, we never know what they're going to be until that third or fourth year. And sometimes as a head coach, you may not last that long. So I would say, if anyone, it would have to be Mike McDaniels. When When you look at what Mike McDaniels was able to do when he was with the San Francisco 49ers, That played a major role in how successful the team was, but also led to him getting a head coaching job with the Miami Dolphins as well. And at the beginning of the season last year, the Dolphins were rolling. The only thing that kind of disrupted things, once again, injuries at the quarterback position, Tua Tungvaluwa and then Teddy Bridgewater. If they can get a healthy quarterback or get a healthy Tua, they have enough uh, offensive guys to speed and the versatility, and defensively, with you Fangio going down there, to really make a run. So I would have to say
0: Mike McDaniels. Nick, I'm going to ask you this because you played on the defensive side of the ball, but you played for a couple of the best offensive head coaches of all time, uh, the Shanahan's. Um, when you see the the way the the NFL is now designed around the offenses, and pretty much your best chance to to be an NFL head coach is if you've ever had breakfast with Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay. <laughs> Does it bug you that the that that head coaching hires now skew so much on the offensive side of the ball, and, and really great defensive coordinators have to just do twice the work to get that job?
2: Yeah, as a defensive player and a defensive coach, yeah, it gets under my skin because I know the league is considered to be uh, an offensive and a quarterback-driven league, and the defensive guys don't really get any love because the idea is that if you're coaching against those guys and you can stop them, that means that, hey, you will work your salt and you need to get your opportunities. But in this league, those owners, they want points. They, they want the, the face of the franchise. And nine times out of ten, the face of the franchise is not your linebacker, it's not your edge rushers, and it's not your safeties. It's always the quarterback. So the league is always going to lean heavily in that direction I'm hoping that with Robert Sala if he's able to turn things around in New York, and we're able to see some changes with the Nico down in Houston, now teams and owners will look at defensive coaches a little different.
0: Nick, I'm asking you this question because I saw on your Twitter you, you tweeted out about Mike Westhoff, the uh, the, the all-time yeah. great special teams coach, longtime Jets special teams coach, and and you talked about him joining the staff in Denver in about. What a great special teams coach he was. Well, we just hired uh, Ray Ventrone, who played during your era, as the special teams coach here in Cleveland. So I'm just curious, as a guy who didn't play in the NFL, I'm always curious, like, what are the ingredients that make up a great special teams coach?
2: Well, it starts with being able to teach your players. Because when you think about a head coach, he has to delegate the responsibilities and oversee all his coaches. There are position coaches. But with a special teams coach, I mean, he's coaching more players. I mean, he's coaching offensive line, wide receivers, DBs, long snappers, punters. So so he has so much on his on his plate. But is, you have to be a guy that can motivate other guys to go out there and exceed expectations because there's a lot of guys who don't want to play special teams and don't even know how to because they're so consumed with being a starter. No, no, no. If you're not a starter, you're cutting your teeth On special teams, I did that for three years in New York under Mike Westhoff, and it was no nonsense. I mean, he wanted perfection. So as a special teams coach, you have to demand and command perfection from your players. And if you don't get it, as Bill Parcells would say, either you get it or you get gone.
0: Nick Ferguson, longtime NFL uh, safety, longtime NFL assistant coach on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So that does bring us to... The Sean Payton era in Denver, and it felt like last year you traded for Russell. There were these huge expectations. I'm just curious, between what was a really disappointing first year with Russ in uh, Denver and then the hire of one of the most well-thought-of coaches in the NFL, where are the hype-slash-expectations for the Broncos moving forward under Sean Payton?
2: Well, for me, I, I first start off by tempering expectations. The reason I do that because I know how difficult it is to bring in another system and learn that system and be able to hit the ground running. Usually it takes two years, whether it's offensive defensively, for you to really see how well that offensive coordinator and that quarterback can actually do work. I'll, I'll go back for a second. When you look at Matt Ryan, when, he, when Kyle Shanahan first got to the Atlanta Falcons, Matt just wanted to throw the ball. I'll say, hey, listen, if you listen to me and just run the ball, we'll get you to the promised land. You'll be the MVP of this league, and we'll get you to the Super Bowl. That next year, what happened? MVP of the league for Matt Ryan. The Falcons were in the Super Bowl. They lost to the Patriots, but the whole idea is that believing in the system and having that system to be in place. So it's going to take some time, but I believe in both Sean Payton and Russell Wilson that if they are able to get on the same page, coupled with the defense that we have here in Denver – things are going to change. I'm not predicting, and I'm, I'm not one for a prediction, but I would say that this would be a competitive team this year and possibly a playoff team at best.
0: Man, you and I need to get in on some of that Walmart money. I just, I, just, I mean, I'm just so <laughs> envious of Sean Payton. Man, you can be a little like you see that Walmart paycheck coming through for Sean Payton, and even though he's, he deserves it, you can be a little yeah. envious, right?
2: Well, yeah, when you, when you think about it, the Daniel Hackett's contract, I believe it was four years worth $17 million, right? Sean Payton gets that in one year. He gets 17 per. So that tells you uh, right there, and listen, uh, the Walter Penner family, man, they have deep pockets, and I'm right there with you. I would love some of that money. If they want to give it away, I will not turn it down.
0: And I'd really like it if they gave me $17 million a year to not work. <laughs> Like, I'd love to be an NFL head coach, but I'd like to make that money to not work more. Nick, great stuff, man. Really appreciate your time and enjoy not just tonight's basketball game, but another uh, exciting offseason for the Broncos.
2: You guys do the same.
0: I want to play something Mary Kay said on the station earlier today with Ken and Anthony. But it's funny how when you go into an NFL offseason, we don't do a good job
1: Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: Can realistically in one offseason take care of? We don't. Like, we go in and say, well, all right, the Browns need two starting defensive tackles, a defensive end, probably one starting safety, another starting Mike linebacker, uh, a speed wide receiver, a franchise wide receiver, and uh, let's see, what else? Oh, a starting center, and oh, people want a left tackle too. Realistically, there are very few teams in the NFL that ever have the right right amount of draft picks or financial collateral to make that happen, which puts the Browns in a situation of we've got to deal with certain question question marks now and other question marks later, which brings up the absolute no-brainer that the Cleveland Browns have on their hand that you probably are going to hate. And Mary Kay Cabot addressed that, the Jedrick Wills fifth-year option, earlier today on this station.
2: The acquisition season and all of those roster decisions really start getting underway now. We are all heading off to the Combine next week, and that's where Andrew Barry will meet with a lot of agents, probably all of the key agents for players that have some kind of a roster decision to be made or a contract decision to be made. So that's where, you know, he'll sort of solidify what's going on with that 5th year option. But I would have to think at that amount, at that sum, $14.75 million for 2024, that they would go ahead and pick pick up that fifth-year option by May 1st, which is also guaranteed at the time you exercise it.
0: So the Browns really have three options here. They either exercise the fifth-year option, which puts them guaranteed with 2023 and 2024, uh, two more years on Jedrick Wills's contract. And $14 million a year for starting left tackle, is is it's a spicy meatball when you're already paying your quarterback $50 million a year. So that's one option. The second option is they can not pick up the fifth-year option. They can let Jedrick Wills play out the fourth-year option. And then if he plays really well this year, they're going to have to pony up to pay him next year. Uh, You're going to pay him a lot more than $14 million on a new contract for that fifth year, the option that you declined, if he plays even reasonably well. I I said balls out. If he just goes out there and is a good left tackle, average NFL left tackle, he's going to get more than $14 million on a one-year deal or on a you know average over three years. And then three, they don't pick up the fifth-year option. He plays however he plays, and next year you're looking for a new left tackle. Those last two options are just untenable if you're already starting to move money around. And I think we've gotten to a point, I made this point with Dustin earlier when we were talking about the the Kevin Stefanski thing. I feel like a certain segment of fans, and I'm not saying you're wrong, by the way. I'm not out on Stefanski. I'm not in on Stefanski. I'm officially uh, Stefanski neutral. I have real concerns with him going into year four, including leadership, including um, just in-game decisions. Those are it's, it's so funny because those are some of the reasons. I read Terry Pluto's piece on why What led the Browns to uh, Bubba Ventron and moving on from Mike Prefer? And he was like, yeah, the the Browns want better in-game decisions and in-game management from special teams. And I was like, don't we also want that from Kevin (laughs) Stefanski? But I do feel like there's a segment of people that it's just anybody but Kevin Stefanski. And that might actually, we might have that play out this year. And I feel people feel the same way about Jedrick Wills. And honestly, any of the people on this roster, I think there are people who are anybody but Nick Chubb because you lost last year, so how much can a running back really mean? I think there are people who are anybody but Miles Garrett because how good can the defensive line really be or how good can Miles be if he's got all these sacks but they're one of the 10 worst defenses in the NFL? And I think what that really is is we're all just pissed off because it was another lost season. It doesn't mean it's right. I don't know if Jedrick Wills... Three years from now is going to be a starting tackle in the NFL. But I think when we start to address the question marks with the Browns and what they can put off and what they can't put off, you can't deal with left tackle this offseason, whether that's taking one with a second-round pick, whether that's um, signing one to a ridiculous contract and then trading Jedrick Wills. You can't do that and address every other problem you have. So does that mean we're gonna to have to see Jedrick Wills maybe uh take a couple more plays off next year? Yep. Does that mean that this time next year, left tackle might be the number one thing we talk about, and the Browns have a year where they're paying Jedrick Wills $14 million to do diddly squat? Yep. Is that also still the right decision for the Cleveland Browns? Probably yes. 216 578 So this kind of brings us to to something we talked about and have talked about in previous years, which are the Browns' question marks. And I I said this about the Cavs earlier. I do think, like, every year people, oh, well, this team has this question mark and this team, every team has question marks in the NFL. With Kansas City, it was their defensive youth, and it was do they have enough playmakers outside of Travis Kelsey? Okay. Okay. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles—they were about as as replete with talent as you can possibly had. They had a uh, they had a first time head coach in the Super Bowl, and they have a they had a roster that was what eight eight impact players going to free agency. Every team in the NFL has question marks, but what question marks can the Browns afford to put off a year? Because I don't know that this is going to be the offseason where we all get the wide receiver you want. If you're going into this offseason and thinking, you're oh, they're going to get new Hopkins. They're going to get Mike Evans. That move might come to fruition. They might get lucky and the market might come to them. Hell, Stephon Diggs might be available out of Buffalo. And if you can get one of those guys without surrendering much draft capital, or if you can get one of those guys without uh, surrendering a lot of financial capital, well, okay, it bears discussion. But if all you do is get a Juju Smith-Schuster or all you do is get a Meikle Hardman, that's probably good enough. And I feel the same way about left tackle. Maybe left tackle is a a six-round developmental player. You let that guy sit for a year. In a year's time, you see where you are. That might be the closest thing the Browns truly have to addressing the left tackle position this offseason. Two one six five seven eight double oh nine two. So for me, we start the question marks that you can wait a year on. It starts with Jedrick Wills. I still am no closer to believing that guy is a premier left tackle than I was three years ago. But he's at least good enough that you got to pay him what you got to pay him just to get through the the next year or two of his contract, and then decide whether he's developed. or or whether you have to get somebody better in there. Lewis, you stick there, buddy. What question marks can the Browns put off for a year? I'll tell you the ones they can and can't. More on that next on 92.3 The Fan.
1: When there's a big sports story in Cleveland or anywhere in the sports world, hear the news straight from the newsmakers themselves.
0: I'm going to take a call real quick on this because I think Lewis is going to help me make my point. It's not, is Jedrick Wills worth the 10th pick three years ago? It is not, is Jedrick Wills one of the 10 best left tackles in the game? It is not, has Jedrick Wills finally given us the left tackle that we've been missing since Joe Thomas went off to the great Wisconsin winners and now Canton? Nope, that's not it. It is, can you replace him? And how do you replace him when you have as much work on this roster as the Browns have to do? I think that's the catch-22. But let's get Lewis in on this. Lewis, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us?
3: For the past couple of weeks, you guys have been talking about trade stuff for various reasons, financial. And good.
0: I've and I've shot every one of those down, Lewis. Give me a little bit of credit right. on that, buddy.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. Um, I'm giving you credit. I'm just leading up to this point for various reasons. Okay, we have a $230 million asset over there, and you have a left tackle who is horrible. He is beyond – Horrible. So, are you going to roll the dice with him and get that two hundred thirty million dollar asset hurt? And then this time next year, we will be sitting here talking about why we didn't make the playoffs. How that person got around that left tackle and and hit uh, the sign in the knees and 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 we missed the playoff again.
0: All right. So, so real it's quick. Very, very so there's tense. there's Lewis. There's two things here. One. I don't think Jed Wills is horrible. I don't think he's great. I think the best I could say about him is he's serviceable. However, two—if not Jedrick Wills—who's starting at left tackle next year?
3: I don't know. The Tennessee Titans just just cut a few offensive linemen. I'm sure we can find somebody over there that can replace him. I, th-
0: I think <laughs> I think Joe Thomas has made us forget how hard it is to find a good left tackle. Like it, it what? How long did it take from Lomas Brown to Joe Thomas? Was it eight years? Was it eight full years? And I saw like I, on one level, at some point, if Jedrick doesn't play up to his draft selection, are the Browns going to have to move on from him? Yes, but why is it this offseason?
3: Uh, uh, okay, let's say hypothetically, Deshaun comes out and he starts lighting it up. Then all of a sudden, like I said, he gets injured because of our left tackle. You, you can't afford you can't afford that. You well, cannot afford
0: that. well, can you afford that? Uh, can you not afford that? Instead of building your defensive line or finding a speed receiver for Deshaun? Oh no, no, no,
3: no, no! You got to address that left tackle first. You oh. have to. All right, that's I. That's two hundred
0: thirty million dollars over there. You have to. I mean, can I just? I, and I thank you for the call, buddy. Uh, I just disagree with you vehemently. <laughs> um, I, it's not that I, I I wouldn't love to see a better player play at left tackle. But, like, uh, Jordan Malata was a guy that was a developmental player. Now, that was a seventh-rounder who, you know, over five years became a starting left tackle. But the first year of Jordan Milata in Philadelphia, it wasn't pretty. I know it's been longer here, and I know I, our frustration with, with Jedrick is not about just how he plays. It's about how hard he plays and the perception that he takes plays off. And I, I'm, not, I'm not smart enough to answer that. I have heard enough really smart football people say that they do see plays and see enough plays to call him out for that, but left tackle is not the number one need on this position because one, Deshaun's going to move around. Deshaun is Deshaun's uh, Deshaun has played even with even if you want to say he, uh, you know Lewis called Jedrick Wills horrible. I disagree with that. I think he's serviceable. I think the problem is in the NFL if you're not top ten, then you're horrible. If you're not top 10 and you were drafted with a top 10 pick, you're horrible. That's the way we – listen, that's a huge part of Jedrick Wills' value is that he is a top 10 pick, and he has not lived up to the billing since really his first year in the NFL. All of that is fair. He's not horrible. But if the worst thing you can say is you've got two really good guards, win healthy, a really good right tackle – a decent enough center, and a serviceable, below-average left tackle. That's still 10 times better than any offensive line that Deshaun Watson has ever played in. So to me, I think left tackle is the number one question mark that the Browns have that I think you can put off for at least one more year, if not two more years. I'm not saying we got to like it. I'm just saying financially it is this it is one of the more intelligent things you can do even though we're gonna be pissed about his level of play and we're gonna and I'm gonna have people on Twitter in 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 tweet in tweet threads good God I'm old in Twitter threads showing me every play the guy supposedly takes off I think there's another one that I think we can all put off I think one more great playmaker I think the Browns can play can can take off. For one more year, I think maybe next it, when and maybe you try and find that guy in the draft. Although they've got a lot of young wide receivers, the the Michael Woods, the David Bells, Donovan Peoples Jones, like they've got a lot of young guys. I think it might be smart for the Browns to take another year and find out what these wide receivers are for them. But in terms of whether it's a an elite tight end, I, and I love a guy like Mike Mike Jasicki, I think would be a lot of fun with the Sean. You can't invest in that position right now. You got you to gotta wait one more year to David Joku, see if he can stay healthy and see if he can mesh with um, Deshaun. And then, like, even people talking about elite wide receiver. What are you doing? How What are you giving up to get this alleged elite wide receiver unless you're hoping that a second-round draft pick can be the guy? Those, to me, are the two things. You can wait. I, you can't wait on defensive tackles. You don't have enough guys to consistently get to the quarterback to make that work. You don't have another defensive end worthy of starting across from Miles Garrett. Maybe a third defensive end like an Alex Wright. You don't have another starting defensive end on this roster. Those things are non-negotiable. Hell, another safety cannot be is a, is a question mark the Browns can't wait on. Joe, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us?
3: Nick, I think you're off, buddy. Because I think that you got a no-brainer left tackle and a no-brainer defense tackle. You're taking the left tackle because... Guess what? $250 million invested or whatever everybody's quarterback is who's the master, and that's number one protection. We just put a guy in the Hall of Fame, all right? So you're way off.
0: Yeah, here's the only thing. Uh, this isn't – oh, he hung up the microphone. or uh, Dropped the mic. That's what I was trying to say. Again, I'm old. Um, if it was Bernie sitting back there, we'd agree. If it was Brian Hoyer sitting back there, we'd agree. He's a league average left tackle. When did when did Jedrick Wills become the face of Browns' failures? I, I feel like there's like five guys I I point fingers to about the face of the Browns' recent failures before I even get to Jedrick Wills. I got questions about him, but he's not he shouldn't be public enemy number one. Mary Kay Cabot said it, it's pretty it's pretty much gonna happen. Jedrick Wills is going to have that fifth year option picked up. What question marks can the Browns put off a year? I think it's left tackle. I think trying to find another elite weapon for Deshaun, those are the first two ones that came to mind.
1: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.